Welcome to our podcast series from the Computer Science Artificial Intelligence Lab at MIT. I'm Lori Glover, and today I am here with Professor John Leonard, who is our a professor of mechanical and ocean engineering here at MIT. Welcome, John. Delighted to be here. Thanks. So can you tell me a little bit about your research here at CSAIL? Sure. So I work on how robots navigate and build maps of the world. So a robot needs to know its position so that it can accomplish its mission. It might be collecting scientific data in the ocean or delivering uh, you know, something around a city. And they need to know their position to uh, get to the right place, but also to be safe, to um, make sure that they um, take care of themselves, that they don't bump into things, that they um, stay where they need to be. And so navigation and positioning are sort of the central quest for my research. Great. Now, um, your work with SLAM which is? Simultaneous localization and mapping. Great. Um, impacts how these robots perceive their surroundings. Um, now this must impact things like driverless cars that we hear so much about. Sure. So this problem of simultaneous localization and mapping is something I've worked on my whole career ever since I was a PhD student at Oxford in 1987. And the goal is how a robot can build a map and concurrently use that map to navigate. And so SLAM is actually really important, for example, for self-driving cars because SLAM is used to make the map that the vehicles are then subsequently used for localization, for determining their position. And the key challenge is that as a robot moves through the world, there's uncertainty in its motion. If it just uses dead reckoning or inertial or heading sensors, uh, its, error its error estimate is going to grow uh, without bound, the error in, in its position estimate. And so with SLAM, you're trying to bound that error by concurrently making a map and so it's concurrently estimating, you know, what is the structure of the world around me and how have I traveled through the world? So I'm just curious, when you say you, kind of bound, you can bound errors, what are the types of errors that it would work on? So um, typically it's about like how accurately, say down to centimeters or meters of position error, how, how, how accurately do I know the robot's position? And for some tasks, like say in the ocean, it might be fine if the robot knows its position just to a few tens of meters of accuracy, say for getting ocean data. But if it wants to, say, find an object on the seafloor and then be able to go back and get it later, it might need um, accuracy of a few tens of centimeters. And so certainly for a car driving, uh, say, down the street here in Cambridge, Mass., uh, we would want its position error to be on the order of you know, a few tens of centimeters. Uh, so that it can stay um, localized, stay in, in the right lane. It can know when to expect traffic lights and crosswalks and things like that. Okay, great. Um, so these driverless cars, are they going to be in our driveways in the next year? Or? Well, I'm a bit more conservative than a lot of my colleagues um, in academia and industry um, you know, throughout the world. I really see the potential for driverless cars to reduce accidents and increase the efficiency of our road network. Um, you know, sadly, over 30,000 people are killed each year in the U.S. in car accidents, and it's over a million worldwide, and that's a compelling societal problem. And autonomy and better sensing technologies combined with, you know, robot motion planning and control algorithms uh, really could help reduce those accidents and fatalities, and, and that would be really a, a major contribution for society. But I think that it's going to take a little longer than many people, say, in the media are saying, because the challenges are still pretty great to achieve the robustness of the perception and decision-making systems that human systems have today. Can you talk a little bit about those challenges? Like, what would you say is one of the biggest challenges for a driverless car? Right. I, I have my sort of top three or four list of big challenges. Um, one of the issues goes back to the map issue. So if you have a very accurate map of an environment, 
Google have shown an amazing system, you know, that's a, attracted worldwide acclaim that uses a very accurate prior map to locate itself, the car, very accurately, and then that provides a robust ability to predict the expected and then handle the unexpected. And so what Google have shown is if you have a good map, then really amazing performance is possible. But more, if you think about widespread deployment of vehicles, how those maps are made and how they're maintained. How does the robot handle the situation when the world may have changed, say, due to road construction? Uh, how do you maintain maps of the world? That's sort of my issue number one. Another big issue is interacting with people. So when we drive, for example, you know, I live nearby in Newton, Mass., and I have a tricky left turn on my way to work in the morning where I have to sort of do a certain social ballet of how <laughs> I manage to negotiate with the cars uh, that are coming, say, from my right, and while you know, choosing a good gap with the cars coming sometimes at high speed from my left. And so often I wave at drivers, there's little nods and gestures, and there's a certain negotiation that happens between people. If we had truly driverless cars operating with human-driven cars, that issue of how we communicate with other drivers uh, is, is a big challenge. Now, it's possible that we'll have vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle communication devices that will do this seamlessly and automatically, but it might take a while for those to, un to unfold, you know, to, to happen. And also there's communicating with pedestrians, communicating with traffic cops, crossing guards, you know, that, that whole issue of responding to gestures and then really being able to sort of div predict uh, a person's intent is, is a really challenging issue. Yeah. Definitely. So those are two of the big issues. Do you want a few more? Okay. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so another issue is weather. So obviously living here in Boston, you know, last winter we had a really tough winter. This year it's been not so bad. But when there's snow, you know, there's difficulties with, say, the traction of the car and, and, and so forth. And, but um, more importantly, snow will obscure the ground surface. And for some approaches to navigating a self-driving car, the map is really based on how the ground appears, you know, implicitly, you know, the lane markings and the sort of various sorts of bits of texture and geometry in the world. And if those are covered with snow, how can the car navigate? Now, you might say the car could just use GPS, but GPS is notoriously inaccurate, especially in cities where there are tall buildings that reflect the signals in funny ways. And so um, weather will impede the sort of range at which the sensors can operate, how reliably they can detect things, and how the car even localizes itself. So I would say that the maps, interacting with people, and, and, and weather are three of the big challenges. It definitely sounds so. Um, now, there also is a lot of talk about the Internet of Things and how it's having a disruptive impact on the auto industry. You're mentioning communication as one of the big challenges. Is that part of the Internet of Things? How, what are your thoughts on this? Right. Well, to me, the Internet of Things is, is how we bring things like Google search on the Internet into the physical world. So if you have devices that might be embedded with RFID or have some other communications capability, or they might just be passive devices, objects in the world, that through vision technologies we can recognize them. We might recognize categories of objects, hey, that's a chair, or we might recognize specific instances of objects. We might recognize text, things like signs. Um, and so as we, so the Internet of Things sort of concept to me is, is about how we can know what is where in the world persistently over time. And so my hypothesis is that the ability to, you know, get range measurements to objects, to get the identities out of objects, that the world, things in the world will become active and sort of we can query them, 
that that, that, will, that will happen, that there will be huge economic benefits and, uh, to, to doing that for a range of industries. And specifically in the car domain, having cars to be able to, in, a, in essence, talk to each other, uh, it, you know, it could be one manifestation of that. Okay. So the Internet of Things, this real-time data from cars, that's really the main value, particularly in the auto industry? Yeah, I think that the, the data, um, uh, the, da the amount of data that could be available is just tremendous, and it presents great uh, opportunities, um, for example, for increasing efficiency and having a better sort of uh, understanding of, say, congestion and, and the flow of traffic. It also poses challenges, things like privacy uh, and reliability, and, and how do you deploy, imagine a system that's sort of partly deployed where half of the cars are actively talking to one another, but half of them aren't, you know, so the average car might stay on the road 10 years or more. Right. And so it might take time to sort of un uh, have this sort of future unfold. But if um, some of the underlying technologies for robots and for, for, for things like SLAM, where you can estimate the location of objects in the world using uncertain measurements that are combined over time, perhaps that might be applied, say, in a warehouse where you have uh, lots of, uh, you know, just your inventory is all sort of smart. There's, you know, sensors, things that uh, say, hey, this is, you know, I'm, I'm a box of notepads or something, right. and, that, and that there's, uh, and potentially ranging information. So you can imagine a sort of local positioning systems that are sort of the equivalent of GPS in a physical area and just sort of knowing what is where. I mean, if you look at Amazon's amazing, the, the Kiva system, mm -hmm. you know, for sort of rethinking warehouse automation where, you know, that, that sort of way of rethinking how we accomplish moving things and people through the world, I think that the ability to know position information, that's sort of, that's where the Internet of Things connects with my research is that knowing what something is and where it is, to me that seems to have to have some economic value. Great. No, that's great. So you're teaching a segment in the new online course at MIT, the Internet of Things Roadmap to a Connected World. Can you talk a little bit about what you cover in that segment? Right. So in, in the um, segment, I try to talk about some of the uh, history and sort of context for this problem of simultaneous localization and mapping in robotics. So to give an overview of some of the types of sensors we use, so um, using like sonar as an older example, but also laser scanners, uh, computer vision, either a monocular camera, stereo camera, or what we call an RGBD camera, a camera that gives you color and depth, like the Microsoft Connect, and then also laser scanners like the 3D uh, Velodyne laser scanner, which is used, say, on, on the early prototype, prototypes of the Google car, and it gives you a million data points a second. And so we talk about some of the sensors, some of the challenges, um, you know, how we do inference, ultimately how we do sort of, we, we try to represent data, represent the world, some sort of map representation, uh, and then create systems that can process the data to, to do this sort of inference problem of estimating the trajectory of a robot while building a model of the world. Oh, that's great. So in your view, the roadmap that is le uh, outlined in this course, what might it contain? Well, um, for me, you know, well, in addition to talking about the mobile robot sort of um, technology, I also talk about some of these challenges of, of self-driving cars. And so to me, the roadmap is how do we improve robustness and develop systems that can be sort of turned loose autonomously in the world for a long time. And so these are in difficult research questions. I don't mean to imply it's going to be solved overnight, but how we can use collectively more data, better learning and inference algorithms, and novel ways to represent data from the world 
to strive towards systems that really can be robustly operated, uh, such as a self-driving car, where they are continually you know, using prior map information but improving the map and sharing data amongst multiple vehicles and interacting with people in some safe and, and robust way. And uh, the hope is that over time that the data provides a certain, um, there's a momentum from the amounts of data that is sort of fed back through the algorithm so that they can learn and get ever better performance. Great. Well, John, thank you very much for spending time with us today. My pleasure.